bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. Red! This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Wednesday morning after a happy Tuesday. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. I'm with you for two hours on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, we're still feeling a little bit of the pain from the Cowboy loss on Saturday, which, of course, was a day earlier than usual. But we're into our regular week routine. How tap happy a Tuesday was it yesterday? When you got a chance here from the Eagle coordinators, not a happy Tuesday for me. Very boring. Uh, so you know that's typical with with Shane Steichen, at least in front of the camera. He's not going to give you a ton, but uh, um, and and JG as well. Michael Clay even called it boring from his standpoint. The game because he didn't punt. There was nothing right. going on in special <laughs> teams. He literally said the word boring. It was a boring game for us. Um, not everybody else, obviously, with all the fireworks. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think defense is the key, and and they didn't play well. Um, and we all saw the numbers of the zone coverage, Dak Prescott, whatever he was, 24 of 24. Um, you know, that's very simplified stuff. But either way, no matter how you want to frame something, 24 for 24 is 24 for 24. It's never right. good. Um, no matter how many man principles versus zone principles you're using and how complicated everything is, 24 for 24 is 24 for 24. Guys weren't executing. Guys weren't communicating. But, you know, I did talk to a – I want to – and I, I want to put this behind us, but the third and 30 – uh, because I just wanted an explanation from outside the organization. I, I said, because all these people can pretend, but they don't know. They don't know what the call is. They don't know what, what's going on. And I looked at the play and I said, is this cover three? Is this cover two? What is this? What What are they trying to accomplish here? So I, I asked another defensive coach outside of the organization, which you get, a, you know, a little more honesty. And he gave me a good explanation, but I think it, it highlights the problem I have with the Eagles defense because he explained it 
it was Tampa two, um, but it, it's something called Tampa two sink, um, where the safety isn't playing half of the field, the nickel corners playing half of the field, and that was Josiah Scott, who's obviously in the game because Abonte Maddox is injured, um, so that's number one. <laughs> you know, bookmark that. Um, because I think if Avante's out there, it's probably not that big of a problem. Um, and he said, the coach said, he doesn't have a problem with the call because players were in a position to make the play and they didn't make the play. So they didn't execute the old sort of coaching trope, which I'm used to. Um, now, look, you know, coaches also take responsibility. And Jonathan Gannon said, I could have made a better call. Could have, yeah, That's what he always defaults to, the old Andy Reid. I got to do a better job, oh, essentially. Yeah. Always defaults to that. So that's first. But here's my problem. Here's my problem with the call. You don't need it. It's third and 30. You don't need disguise. You don't need deception. Just play stink of Tampa too and get off the field. And 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 my problem is because you're also doing it with younger players who are not as savvy as Chauncey Gardner Johnson when you're talking about Reed Blankenship, not as savvy as Avante Maddox when you're talking about Josiah Scott. So, you know, in the same press conference, Gannon said, you know, we trust anybody who's got that jersey on. Well, that's fine to say, and I get why you say it, and I, and it's optimistic. I get why you have to say it to to the players. I get that part of it, but you as the coach have to realize, you know, this guy can't do as much as Amante. This guy can't do as much as CJ. And you got to do it yourself and reel it back and say, you know what? We don't need this. We might need this on third and 10. We might have to execute this. We don't need it on third and 30. Get the hell off the field. Simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Simple. Simple. Now, I, I don't want to go out and say it's all that complicated. All NFL defensive backs know this defense, and they know quarters, and they know cover six, and they know cover eight, and all that stuff. So I don't know if complicated is the worst, the, the right word. It's probably not. And maybe you can help me come up with a better one. No, complicated is dead on accurate. Because of their trying to keep the defense under wraps. If you're trying to disguise something, that makes it complicated. If you're well, not, they, if you're what, just what, playing what makes standard it... zone, well, then it's not complicated. You should have been able to play a standard zone and keep them from completing a 30-yard pass. Yeah, what makes it complicated is the communication aspect of it, not the coverage aspect of it. But when you're you're toggling back and forth, and again, you don't need it on third and 30. You don't need it. You know, you could play picket fence. Just get off the field. That, so that, to me, I just wanted to... Uh, that, that to me, is, is a problem. Like, I, I think of a lot of the criticisms of Jonathan Gannon, you know, Jody, are, are silly and off-base and dumb, flat out. He's a good... He's a good football coach, but there are, there are avenues for criticism. Sure. And I think this is one of them. One of the legit avenues for criticism. Um, you got to understand the situation 
and you got to understand the players on the field and you have to protect the players on the field. You know, Josiah Scott's not a Fonte Maddox. Reed Blankenship is not CJ Gardner Johnson. And you have to know that. So you can go up in front of the microphone and I applaud Jonathan Gannon for saying, we trust these guys. You have to, that's what you have to do as a coach. You have to be optimistic. You have to build your players up. You can't be a pessimist and be a football coach. I'm a pessimist. I know that. I can't be a football coach. You, you, you can't because win, lose, draw, whatever, blow out. You got to go out there and you got to continue to work and play the next game. And you got to rely on the same players. So you have to be optimistic in front of those players. But you have to understand you also have to protect the lesser players as well as best and mask their deficiencies as best as possible. Right. If you are going to trust all your players, believe in the next man up philosophy, there isn't that great a drop off between whoever we're plugging in when somebody goes down. Okay. If that's what you're going to stand behind and you feel you need to sell that because you are banking on these players, giving you some level of play and production. Okay. We get that. That's fine. Then Jonathan Gannon should be just as flexible coming out of his comfort zone and playing as much zone as he does to play more man. Because if you're watching that game, you can realize that the zone is well, not you don't working. want to play man on third and 30, Jody. That's the last time I'm you talking play about man. the game in general. I'm in not general, talking about that yeah. one particular. Well, I was play. talking about this play, so I don't want people to be, you know, misunderstanding. I was talking about the, the third 30, and one of my criticisms of that, that is legit. Oh, you want to play zone, you want to get the hell off the field at third and 30. And if you just play Tampa too, you're going to get off the field unless there's a Hail Mary type thing and they just throw it up and somebody goes and high points the football. You're going to get off the field. Um, that's the la- I hear what you're saying. You know, people say they want to play more man coverage and that's where the, the matchup zone principles come into it. And that's where Nick got in the weeds and said, well, you might think it's zone, but it's man principles and blah, blah, blah. And this is what the whole Fangio defense is about. And and they do it better than anybody else who plays it right now. I give them credit. They do it better than anybody else. But it's got to do with the players. It's got to do with the savviness of Slay, the the, the savviness of Bradbury, and 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 other players as well. Even for a young player, Marcus Epps has a has a high football IQ. Um and 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 but Abonte Maddox isn't there now. He's another one of those players. CJ's not there now. He's another one of those players. It's a little bit different when they're not on the field. And they got to simplify things. Yeah, you were talking about your overall critique of Jonathan Gannon, the, the few, the proud, the things that you can critique, and that's what I was picking up on and talking about overall how much they played zone and how much they – played man and yes i uh, caught this sirianni press conference and he does he he is he is a spin meister um jonathan gannon went down the andy reed 
uh, road yesterday and decided, all right, I'm going to take all the bullets. I'm going to stand out in front of all of you guys' questions and uh, not let any of it hit my players, which we saw for however many years Andy Reid was here. That was his way of dealing with critique after losses was, I'll just take all the bullets on all my players. Nick Sirianni is different and he goes into complete spin mode and tries to explain where you might not understand every single nuance of the way that they're actually playing uh, zone with man contact concepts. And uh, it might not be the exact zone that you're thinking of where many different zones. Fine. Then be better. Uh, if, if you want to try and either obfuscate and take all the bullets on yourself. Okay. If you want to just try and confuse us with overt language to try and hide what actually transpired on, transpired on a play. Okay, fine. You're right, John. Eventually it comes back to the players. And there is a drop-off when Avante Maddox comes out off the field. I'm sorry. Uh, if Josiah Scott's parents are listening, you got to turn this off. Your kid's <laughs> not as good as Avante Maddox. Sorry. It was too much in evidence on Saturday for us not to draw that conclusion. I'm, I'm just hoping, and I believe it's the case, but I'm hoping behind closed doors that they're coaching these guys up hard and they're pointing out what they're doing wrong and are in better place going forward for it. They're not facing a, a killer quarterback this week coming up in Andy Dalton, so the defensive secondary has to be better. The savvy guys have to be called upon to make more plays than they did this past week. I have faith that that's going to be the case, that they, they cannot be as bad defensively. First of all, the Saints are nowhere near the offense that the Cowboys are, but the defense cannot be as bad as it was, specifically the back uh, seven. The defense can't be as bad as it was this past week. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's, you know, part of it is self-correcting because I think, as I said, you know, there's over 10 teams playing this style of defense in the NFL. And the Eagles have played it the best throughout the season. Um, and typically the reason why is because of, of teaching and uh, communication. That's why, um, you know, uh, other teams, you, I talk about it all the time. You see these blown coverages all over the place. Let, me, let me ask you a question, John, about this uh, other defensive coach that you spoke to on the third and 30 play, since we're beaten out to death. Where was the communication breakdown? Who needed to be communicating better to who? on that play that allowed them to complete a 50 yard pass. Um, Slay and, and, and Scott, I mean, you, you do rely on a little bit of read because those were the three players involved, you, you, but he's a rookie. So see, from my perspective, here's, Who's here's a rookie? the issue. Uh, Reed Blankenship. Oh, well, Reed. Um, okay. You didn't say the, the three players involved are, are, uh, were, were, and Reed wasn't really involved. It wasn't his responsibility, but he's on that side of the field from starting perspective. And he was the deep, deep safety on the play. They were in dime. So they had a bunch of defensive backs on the field, which was smart. Um, his responsibility wasn't the deep half. And that's where Tampa two sink comes in the nickel corner sinking to where the safety is because they're trying to disguise for the quarterback, which makes no sense on third and 30. You don't need it. Again, in a different part of the game, you might need it. Now, you, you rely on those savvy players. So, you know, Slay seemed very upset because it looks like he got beat on third and 30. 
when he didn't. So I get that part of it. Which he didn't, but can can I just jump in here for a second on Sly? Right. Overall, plays over and done with, uh, laying out of blame. Slay is not the lead guy. He's down the list. You're right. But he passed them off, the communications aspect, at about what? The seven-yard mark? Maybe eight? Somewhere thereabouts? You couldn't have dropped back a little bit more? Oh, so if he catches in front of you at 10, it's third and 30. He passed them off at the seven-yard mark on a 30 as as savvy as he is he's got to know down and distance too you can carry him a little bit further than the seven yard mark on third and 30 can you not well you can do whatever you want if you know you want to freelance then then let me say should he have carried him more than seven yards when you know you're the up guy you're the corner you've got flat responsibilities yeah like they're going to throw in a flat on third and 30 can't you carry him a little bit to give your your uh, disguised Nickel corner who's got to be back in coverage on that side. Can't you carry him a little bit further to make that a little bit more difficult for the wide receiver? Well, I guess th- this is why I put it on the coaching. You, you, you Even a player like Slay, you don't want to put him in that position to say, all right, I called this defense, but don't play this defense because this other guy's not playing the defense correctly. So, you know, can you be savvy enough to realize in play that a guy's getting beat? Yeah, I guess so. It happens in zone all the time. You see guys break off and, and go to a different portion because they see the quarterback's eyes. They know he's not going to their receiver. They break off. You see a lot of interceptions that way, as a matter of fact. Um, so everything's on the table. Um, but in general – you don't want players freelancing. So I can't blame the player as much as I can blame the coach. Um, you know, that's the call. He's playing the call. The other guy blew the coverage. I can't kill him for it. Could he have could he have freelanced? Sure, he could have freelanced, but that's not what the coach wants. The coach wants you to execute the call. I think the call was bad. I think the call was bad. I mean, that's my opinion. Now, now what the coach opinion there? What the coach continue to call Slay savvy, but he didn't make a savvy play. He made a by the definition of the call. I'm supposed to be up in the flat. He could have adjusted and still stayed within his responsibilities on the play and carried the wide receiver another couple of yards. That might have been the difference between letting Josiah Scott get back there and be able to get a hand up and make a play on the ball. Well, his his responsibility is to get back there. So I don't know if extra time is going to help him um, if he's if he's not playing his responsibility. Um, again, it, it, you know, when I say savvy, everything's definitions, right? When I say savvy, savvy within the defense being called. He's playing the defense being called. The coaches don't like freelancers. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do from a coaching perspective. That you know, they make a call and you're doing something else. Even when you're trying, that's called hero football on offense. We, we saw it with Car- Carson Wentz all, all the time. You're trying to make up for the deficiencies of others. It can work. Works all the time, especially with quarterbacks who just you know, play breaks down, 
they do Justin Fields be the best example of that this year. They don't have an offense that I can tell. The structure of the offense, it breaks down, and he just makes a brilliant play, and you say, wow. But long-term, it's not what you want. So you can blame a bunch of people, but from the defense that was called, and that's why I was upset. But he shouldn't be upset either because he's a captain. And, you know, one thing quarterbacks are told who are always captains, you know, when when we're doing well, it's we. When we're doing poorly, it's me. In other words, take responsibility. So there's a lot of things you can say about it. But, you know, I didn't like the call. Right. The whole, why the hell are you disguising something when you got third and 30? Get into your zone. Give everybody their responsibility. Just tell them, hold down your principles, and we'll get off the field on this play. Uh, Jonathan Gannon got a little too cute on that one. And to his credit, he took the bullets yesterday. But I uh, covered Andy Reid for enough years. I would just roll my eyes when, when Andy would get into, I got to do a better job. Because uh, Gannon went there plenty yesterday. Yeah, we know you got to do a better job, Coach. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Mac and Mac Birds 365, guys. Little new spot. I don't know the last time we had special Eddie Kratz on on a Wednesday. So we're juggling our Wednesday, lineup a little bit through. today. We appreciate Ed uh, jumping into the fray with us today. He will do so coming up in just a couple of minutes here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. 
Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Got Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thank you much for streaming in as we talk about the Eagles, what happened Saturday against the Cowboys, and now we start to look ahead to the Saints. We'll get into a little bit of that with our first guest today. That would be our pal Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated jumping in with us uh, this morning. Ed, first thing first, holiday good for you, Sons, the Eagles' outcome? Yeah, it's always, uh, I love the holiday season. So, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, a lot of family time, which is what it's all about. And now counting down the days till another year has gone by. It's just amazing how quickly these years seem to fly by. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was great. I hope everybody else had a, a good one, too. I hope you guys did, too, because mine was yeah. merry. Most, most people don't have 13 and two years around the country if they're football fans, but uh, the Eagles didn't get it done on Christmas Eve, Ed Kratz. So, yeah, um, everybody's panic. in a panic. Everybody's yeah, in a panic. panic. The Eagles lost. You know, yeah. they lost their second game on Christmas Eve. <laughs> they lost with a backup quarterback. That is, and they still had a chance to win against yeah. a very good team on the road. By the way, their third straight road game. Which, when the schedule came out, I said this this looks awful from a spot standpoint. Yeah. Um. And, you know, to me, it's not the game. Jody and I were talking about the third and 30. I had a big problem with the call there. But it's not about the game as much as the injuries to Lane Johnson and Avante Maddox and where they're going to be come playoff time. The Eagles' Nick Sirianni says all the time, I'm not going to put a timetable on it, Ed Kratz. But you can kind of read between the lines you know, they're hopeful with Lane is the terminology. Avante's out indefinitely. What do those lines tell you about Lane Johnson and, and Avante Maddox? Yeah, I mean, listen, Lane, for some reason, the Eagles just don't play well with Lane not yeah. in the lineup. I think <laughs> they are 3-11 and 11 in their last 14 games without him in the lineup, which is really – Kind of amazing when you think about it because, you know, he's a right tackle. He's an offensive lineman. You wouldn't think that there would be that big of a difference <laughs> in the way the team plays, but that just shows you what he means to this team. And that <clears throat> that's, a, that's a huge loss. And, and, you know, Lane was on track to play every game this year for, I think, maybe the first time in his career, the first time in a very long time. And uh, it, this one's going to hurt for sure. And unless Jack Driscoll – now that he's been kind of settled in as the uh, right tackle, remember he relieved Jordan Milata at left tackle. He went in for Johnson when he got hurt during another game at right tackle. So he kind of bounced back and forth, but I think he's gotten a lot of reps at right tackle. Um, and, and that's the way I think they're going to go against the Saints on Sunday is Jack Driscoll at right tackle. 
Um, <clears throat> it's a shame that Andre Dillard can't be your swing tackle, but he, and I don't know why. I mean, he, he was an object failure at right tackle when they put him in there, but that was what, three years ago when, yeah. when they did that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you've had three years to kind of get him cross trained, but it seems like they're more interested in playing him at guard, uh, than, than as a backup right tackle. So it's going to be Driscoll and that injury really hurts. And then if you look at Avante Maddox, you know, the Eagles probably will get C.J. Johnson back, I would think, at some point. I don't know if it will be uh, Sunday against his former team, but you have to think that. By the way, this is a big day, Ed, because the Eagles can start his practice window. So it'll tell me if they don't start his practice window, that's a bad sign, don't you think? Yeah, he probably won't play. And it's also a big day in that we're supposed to get the quarterback, right? The quarterback usually talks on Wednesday, and yeah. the Eagles didn't have one listed on the schedule because it is a very fluid situation. But if we don't get a quarterback to talk today, what do we read into that? That Hurts isn't playing. If we get Minshew, we know Minshew's going to play. So, you know, it's a big day for that as well. But uh, the Maddox injury, I don't think. I mean, yeah, he's a great slot corner. He did a very good job against Justin Jefferson when everybody looks at the game C.D. Lamb had uh, against the Eagles. The Eagles couldn't take him out of the game, but they were able to take Justin Jefferson out of the game when they played the Vikings. I know that was back in week two, but Maddox was a big part of that uh, uh, stop of Jefferson back in week two. And his his injury, uh, you know, will, will, be, will be felt as well. But again, you have C.J. Johnson who probably – will come back at some point. Right. I mean, the lacerated kidney, I don't know, you know, how you rehab that just rest. Um, but we'll see when that's happening. So the Eagles to me really do need a buy, you know, they have to figure out a way to win one of these last two games. So they have that extra week to heal, to rest. Uh, you know, Jason Kelsey talked about this because they had the buy, I think in week eight, he said, ask me after week 14, how my body feels. Yeah. I mean, that's a long run of nine straight games without a break. And I think we're seeing some of the effects of that now. So the Eagles desperately need this buy that they can get if they clinch this first round or this first, uh, number one seed. Since there's a lot of reading between the lines that can be done today. Uh, what is the exact timing you two beat guys? on the Eagles practice, uh, media availability. When are we going to get some answers, even if they're not giving us direct answers that we can read into about the availability of some players this weekend? Well, Wednesday, later today, uh, Nick is going to talk at 1230, and then the locker room is supposed to be open, and usually they, they fit the quarterback in there somewhere. So between like 1245 and 130, uh, is usually on Wednesday when the quarterback is available to speak. So, you know, we'll know early afternoon what the Eagles plan to do. Maybe they'll put the quarterback availability back to Thursday. That would be my guess is what they'll do is they'll wait till Thursday. We cannot watch practice today. It's a walkthrough, so we won't be able to see who's playing right tackle, uh, you know, which quarterback's taking the reps if CJ's out there. We won't be able to see any of that until tomorrow when practice is open and that practice tomorrow on Thursday is, I think, 3.30, John. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, locker room is 3.30-ish. 1.30's practice. Yeah, 1.30's practice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, they've scaled back to Wednesday walkthroughs. But um, the Eagles will announce when they start the practice window for CJ. Right. So um, we should know. That, that's a concern to me just because the way Nick – 
spoke about it earlier this week. He said that that one's a little bit different when he was talking about injuries because, you know, that's about CAT scans, I think he brought up and, and things like that and, and whether um, he's cleared. But that's a 21-day practice window. So I guess you can push it back when you think about the first round of the playoffs for the Eagles is most likely going to be January 21st or 22nd. That's the weekend. Um, so you can push it back a week, I guess, and still be on track um, to get them back for the playoffs. Um, but it, it would say something to me that it's a little bit more concerning if they didn't start his window today. That would concern because they can just activate him when they activate him. And you would think they would want him to get as much practice in because there's going to be some rust. He's been out for a significant period. So I think this is a big day for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. If they don't activate that practice window, I don't think that's a good sign. Or, or am I reading too much into that, Ed? Well, again, I, I don't know. I, I, a lacerated kidney. I mean, we saw I saw C.J. in the locker room last week. Um, yeah, it was his birthday. He seemed fine, but yeah, he's, you, know. but you don't know what how yeah. a lacerated kidney affects anybody. He's supposed to be all hunched over or whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> But he looked okay, but, you know, that doesn't mean he can play. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know if it would be a concern or not. I mean, the goal was to have him for the playoffs, right? And you're going to have to find a way, again, to win one more game here. And it might have to be without C.J. Johnson helping you do that. Um, I think if he doesn't get activated today, I doubt they would do it on Thursday. I think it would have to be today, right? Like you said, you need to practice, yeah. you need to get ready. Uh, so, and that's yeah. how they've done it with everybody else. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, that doesn't mean they, they have to continue that way. And yeah. if you guys get, uh, Jalen Hurts today, Jalen was trying to get you to believe that he was going to play this past week against the uh, Cowboys. Yeah. And oh, by the way, 24 hours after he uh, was in front of you guys in microphones, the coach came out and said, yeah, he's not playing. So I, I don't know that we can get anything or read anything to what Jalen says today. I think that we're going to have to wait on that one. I don't know. Maybe the Eagles will just go straight up and tell people ahead of time. If it's not Jalen Hurts this week, if it's Gardner Minshew again, uh, certainly uh, he played well enough. He didn't play great, but he played well enough against the uh, Cowboys this week. Here was one of the things that bothered me about Gardner, and it's been part of his game forever. Does it bother you that he throws off his back foot as much as he does? Uh, there are certain quarterbacks that can do that. One of them's named Darren Rodgers, but he's got one of the best arms I've ever seen in the history of the National Football League. Gardner Minshew does not. Does that bother you when you're watching Med Kratz as often as he throws off his back foot? Yeah, you know, I, I, I haven't, I didn't get swept up in the Minshew mania uh, era when he was in Jacksonville, so I didn't really see Gardner Minshew play a lot of quarterback. I didn't know if that was just the way he plays the position, or if his footwork was just a little uh, bit off there because he hadn't really started a game until you know it's been almost a year, I guess, since he started a game. But yeah, that that to me is a concern. Um, and yeah, he played well, but all, you know, he was kind of just throwing it up there for Brown and. And Smith, I mean, he made some nice, nice throws, but boy, those two receivers really bailed, bailed him out on some of those throws. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I think it is a concern that he throws it. But if that's the way he's comfortable doing it, then so be it. I mean, you're not going to change him now if that's the way he's been doing it, you know, since his uh, air raid days at Washington State with Mike Leach. But um, you would hope that if he has to play again, a second straight start will help him kind of make better decisions in some aspects. Maybe his footwork will be a little bit better uh, because it will be a second straight start. I don't think he's had two straight starts in this league uh, since maybe 2020 or, or so when he was in Jacksonville. So you would hope that he would be a little bit better if he has to go on Sunday. Yeah. And, and he's playing at home, obviously yep. that that'll help. Um, True. Yeah. I don't think he has the best mechanics in the world to Jody's point. I, you know, I remember talking to John T. Filippo when he was here, and I, I was interested. I said, well, who, you know, point to have who has good mechanics. And he, right off the top of his head, he said, Carson Palmer. <laughs> Just watch Carson Palmer. So I did. I went back and I looked at Carson, and damn it, John was right. He's like, this guy is just, everything is locked in. Um you don't see that now. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. He's got terrible mechanics. Uh, I'm not comparing Gardner Minshew to Patrick Mahomes, but it's just a different – you bring up the air raid offense. They all have bad mechanics. It's just a different era. They do it a different way, at least what we think of conventional. So, I don't know. But yeah, well, conventionally that, he doesn't that, have great. Dak's got pretty good mechanics, and they were on display against the Eagles this week. Well, he's twenty-four for twenty-four. Yeah, he's okay, but I wouldn't. You know, again, what's the comp? If you watch Dak next to Carson Palmer, does he have good mechanics? I I don't know. The game has kind of shifted uh, from that traditional. You got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. And we have all these different arm angles you bring up Aaron Rodgers Jody he's he doesn't have great mechanics conventionally uh but that's the best guy I've ever seen play the position I right. say it all the time Patrick Mahomes right now he's throwing no look passes like he's a basketball player I mean old school coaches would have strangled him for doing that so it's a little bit different um but you know Carson Wentz we went through that his mechanics were bad then they went up and then they went down again. We had that yo-yo. Jalen Hurts did tremendous work in the offseason to improve his mechanics and his footwork, and they've been vastly improved. But I don't know. I think the old school days of just perfect structure are probably over. Yeah, and I, I don't know how good Dak's mechanics are. I mean, that was probably the best game he ever played in his life, right? I mean, I, I don't think he's ever gone – what was he 16 for 18 at halftime? You know, he had the one interception, great play by Josh Sweat. But, I mean, you know, that was probably the best game he's played in his career, I would guess. A 350-plus. He's had some good games. That's Eagles 10, Ed. Dak has had some really good games over the years. Now, he's faltered in big spots at times. So, I get – you know, the frustrating thing with me, if I were a Dallas supporter with Dak Prescott, is the situational stuff. Even at the end of that game, you know, not understanding the situation, giving the Eagles an opportunity to come back, even though they faltered. Um, you go back to the playoff game. I mean, how many games has this guy started in his career? And he doesn't have, he doesn't understand the official has to, uh, place the football, has to spot the football. 
Uh, remember when he ran down and he tried to spot the football himself? And it, you know, it's still going to be desperation mode, but who knows if the Cowboys have that one more play against San Francisco, they can throw it in the end zone. Who knows? Kind of lost his head. That's, that's my issue with Dak Prescott. Yeah. He's, there's some inaccurate passes I've seen him throw. His accuracy to me has never been, you know, spot on. Uh, I don't think he's the most accurate quarterback, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. And, you know, maybe that has to do with some of his mechanics, some of his footwork at times, but, you know, that that's kind of he was he was accurate enough to complete 24 out of 24 against Eagles own on uh, Saturday. How's yeah. that for accuracy? That's what I'm saying. I think it was the best game he's ever played in his career. I mean, you know, whatever it was, I mean, it was obviously a game the Cowboys really wanted to win and needed to win playing against the backup quarterback, knowing that if they were to lose on their home field, the Eagles would be celebrating you know, the NFC's title, the first seed in the playoffs, and the Cowboys were really, you know, they were up for that game. I think that was overall for the Cowboys probably, you know, their best game of the year. Um, and it was at a time when they really needed it. And they went out and it was a hard-fought game. I mean, they barely won that game, right? I mean, the Eagles gave them all they could handle with their backup quarterback. So, you know, I see all the, you know, these people complaining that now the 49ers are the number one in the power rankings and the Eagles have dropped to four, you know, again. Nah, power, who cares about power Exactly. Rankings. I don't yeah. – power rankings mean very little to me. But, you know, people follow that stuff. And, you know, I just think there's an overreaction to the Eagles losing a game, only their second loss on Christmas Eve. You know, they've went this whole season with only two losses up until Christmas Eve. Nobody, I don't think, saw that coming, really. No. Um, don't so, turn it over four times. The exactly. Eagles are 13 and 0 when they don't turn it over four times. <laughs> don't turn it over four times. If yeah. you turn it over once or twice, you probably win that game. And that that's a concern. Seven turnovers now in two games. You know, they got they, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, pulled them out of the fire in Chicago. Uh and, and they Gardner Mincher couldn't do it with four turnovers against the Cowboys. So, you know, two, two straight games with a fumble for Miles Sanders, concern, and the seven turnovers. If they turn the ball over against the Saints on Sunday, if they're careless with the football again, they're not going to win. And uh, that Dak right now, number two in the NFL in completion percentage. So I'd say his completion percentage is pretty good. His accuracy is pretty good if he's number two in Who's the number NFL. one? Who's number one on that list? Uh, Geno Smith. Gino, still baby. number one. Is he still over 70%? That's 70%. an amazing story. He's 70.7, and Dak is 69. So uh, Dak is second, but Gino's still number one. Um, less of a worry this week against the former Cowboy quarterback, the Red Rifle, who's coming to town for the Saints. <laughs> oh, How oh. does Jonathan Gannon play him? If the, uh, the they've got all these gun. different zones and zone concepts and you don't quite understand there are zones with man concepts uh that nick sirianni tried to do a cover job for jonathan gannon the day before after the cowboys lost what are they going to throw at uh, the red rifle on sunday yet do you think they're calling him the red rifle in the meeting rooms yeah. think that that's how they're okay when the, the red, red the, drops the, back the, with the seven step yeah. drop this is where we have to be yeah, I, I, I've never heard him called the Red Rifle. Oh, yeah, early in his career. Yeah. And now he's called the Red Pop Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, but, you know, Andy, I think people forget. Cincinnati, Marvin Lewis got a lot of crap for never winning a playoff game. But before Marvin Lewis, I think they had not made the playoffs since uh, Ken Anderson, the Ken Anderson days. He was a heck of a quarterback, but. 
uh, and obviously took him to the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I think he made five straight playoffs. Now they lost all the first rounds. Um, might have been six. And he was a big part of that. He was a good quarterback earlier in his career. Now there's, you know, a lot of Matt Ryan tint to him um, and and probably lesser. I, I don't understand what the Saints are doing. I mean, Jameis Winston is by no means great, but he's far more explosive and there's far more. I, I don't get what they're doing and they're just helping the Eagles. But this is a big game for them for this reason, Ed. Mickey Loomis got embarrassed by Howie Roseman. He did. He flat out did. Um, and the Eagles' first-round pick is obviously um, – they have two first-round picks. They have the Saints' first-round pick. Saints really, really want to win this game. Um, it, in many ways, <laughs> it might be their Super Bowl because he doesn't want to get embarrassed again. Do you buy any of that? Uh, that this is very important for that reason for the Saints. For Mickey Loomis, I you know, I don't know. Do the players in the locker room really care that much about Mickey Loomis to say that's hey, fair? Let's go win that's fair. They might want to get him out of there. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Certainly, Mickey Loomis wants to win this game. Uh, you know, he needs a quarterback. You mentioned. I mean. Dalton or Winston. Well, he can't get one because he traded exactly right. his potential top 10 pick. And he got he gave up his second round pick to the Eagles in 2024. So, uh, you know, it's not a good look for the Saints to, to uh, you know, have not have a first round pick next year when they really could use one. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's really a motivation. But I, I believe the Saints are still kind of in the mix for the, yeah, they're uh, still for in the South Division Championship to get in the playoffs. So, that to me is probably a bigger a bigger motivator for them. Uh, sitting at six and nine, you know, it looks like the team coming out of there is going to having a losing record. But if the Saints can win their last two games and check in with eight wins, that might be enough to get them in the playoffs. I think that's the biggest motivator is they're still playing for, uh, uh, you know, the right to keep their season alive. Agreed to make a playoff spot. What do you think the emotion is for that team? And I know you're not that. It's probably an unfair question this team playing for this coach Dennis Allen was the DC gets the gig when Sean Payton decides he's going to go to TV for a year seemed to be popular with all his defensive players they liked him sticking around but now he's in charge of the entire team I got to believe his job is on the line this year as well they're going to go out and win one for the old ball coach Well, yeah, here we go. Uh, playing for your coach again. I, I I guess, you know, the defensive players like them. I mean, this is a top 10 defense. It's a very good defense uh, that's really going to make the Eagles work for points, I think. Um, yeah, I, it, that could be a bit of a motivator too. to go out and try to get Dennis into the playoffs his first year as a head coach. But you're right. His job could be in jeopardy if the if the Saints want to go, you know, a one and done year. That doesn't seem like the Saints uh, – you know, philosophy. They had Peyton there for so many years. Um, but, you know, I don't know if his job is safe or not, but it would certainly be more secure if they find a way to win and make Mickey Loomis happy because now their draft, they, they don't have to worry too much about that draft being a top 10 pick um, that they won't have. So, yeah, there, there could be some of that to try to make Dennis feel a little bit more secure in his job. 
Um, so why do you think, because a lot of people talk about the Saints and say they have talent, and they do if you look at them on paper. There's certain players you go, oh, that's a pretty good player. That's a pretty good player. Um, but they don't win. Uh, they don't win games. Um, they should, if you look at it on paper, at least um, from what happened in Tampa Bay, they should probably win that division from a talent perspective. So what do you think the disconnect is? Why why do you think they're they're in desperation mode? Because not only do they have to win out to win that division, they would need a lot of help as well on top of it. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, I thought the Saints would be better, obviously, than they were. I wasn't sure they were still the best team in that division, but I thought they'd have more than six wins right now at this point in the season. Um the disconnect, I mean, I know they had some injuries, right? Every team has injuries, but I think they got hit early. Michael Thomas really was never a factor. I think they expected him to play this year. Uh, Chris Olave has been very good, but I think a lot of it just stems from the quarterback position. You well, know, even, Winston, you know, if you look at pro football, they think Andy Dalton's playing great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, pro football, I don't know what to make of pro football focus. They had Tyler, Tyron, there was a Tyler Smith for the Cowboys not giving up a sack, and then there was a clip of Josh or Son Reddick. Or yeah, Josh I think Smith. it was out of the pocket. I think that's what. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of pro football focus anymore. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Dalton is what he is. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be real mobile. I mean, the Eagles have – had four straight games of six sacks, uh, six plus sacks. And this looks like another opponent where they could really, you know, pummel the quarterback because Dalton's not going to move very well. Another you know, six might, sack game. Could, it could be. I mean, they need one more to tie that record from 1989. Uh, I think it'll happen. Um, but I, as far as the disconnect, I'm not real sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, plugged into the New Orleans Saints. So I don't know why they're having this down year. Maybe it was the injuries. Maybe it's a new head coach. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's a team that's all on the same page together or is all playing for one another. Like we're seeing here with Philadelphia, everybody plays for one another. Maybe that's not the case uh, with the saints. Maybe the chemistry is just bad. I want to get your take on a call I got yesterday on WIP, which I dismissed at first. And then I gave a little bit more thought and I said, it's, it's a stretch, but it's not uh, something that you can just uh, not even consider uh, the guy was getting on Gannon's case saying when they face a real top flight uh, franchise level quarterback, they still have problems that last year. We know the games in a row that they had the Derek Carr's, the Mahomes, the Herbert's all completed this unbelievable percentage of passes against Gannon's defense. And this past week, uh, Dak did what he did. The only real high level. When I say high level, I'm talking top 10, not top two or three guy that they shut down was Kirk Cousins and they did do that you got to give him that much credit earlier in the year my response was this year's defense is different than last year's defense with all the change they made going back to compare what Jonathan Gannon did against a top flight quarterback is irrelevant because it's a different defense this year than it was last year or is that a legit question that against a quote-unquote Gannon defense a really high level quarterback and a good completion percentage quarterback can give them fits. Is that fair? Well, Dak certainly makes it look like a reasonable uh, complaint to have. Uh, but, you know, I'm trying to think of the quarterbacks. I mean, they played Aaron Rodgers. Now, 
you know, Rodgers isn't having the same type of season, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. He's coming right? on, man. They're going to make right. the playoffs. And he's he's done these last three games. Yeah. He's gotten some help, and now he's got them, you know, again on the doorstep to the playoffs. Uh, they still have to win out, and some other things have to go right. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you could put him in that uh, equation as well with Dak Prescott and these other top-flight quarterbacks. I mean, Daniel Jones, I think, was having a good season when the Eagles played him. You know, is he a, known for being a high completion percentage guy or a top quarterback? Probably not. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think on one hand you could say it's legitimate. But on the other, I just don't – you're right. It's a different defense. Uh, I think the Eagles have done good against uh, – or done well against any quarterback, every quarterback that they played this year except for uh, Dak uh, in, in, the, in week 16. Um, you know, even, I guess, Taylor Heineke with Washington – uh, they did a good job controlling the ball in that game, 40 minutes of time of possession. I'm not sure how much Heineke had a hand in beating him. I mean, he did carve up the Eagles with Terry McLaurin. You know, he made some good throws when he had to. Um, but, you know, I, I don't – I think the Eagles will be fine against any top-flight quarterback. But who's left? Who's a top-flight quarterback left? I mean, you have yeah. Jones and Well, Dalton. they're all in the AFC. That's why everybody yeah. thinks the AFC is better than the NFC. The but you think about look at the look at the Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the NFC versus the AFC. Uh, with, with in other than Jalen Hurts, who's had the MVP like year, then I, I think it was it was Kirk, it was Cousins, and uh, Gina. Gina. And uh, the AFC's got Mahomes and Josh Allen and Burrow, and I don't even think Herbert made it. No. Uh, because of everybody else, the AFC has better quarterbacks. So you're going to see if the Eagles go where they want to go, ultimately you're going to see a great quarterback. But, yeah, on the NFC side, Dak's probably the best. And ironically, Jody, I don't know your caller, but I'm assuming he was an Eagles fan. And I, I bet you would have said every day up to that game, Dak stinks, Dak stinks, Dak stinks. Then after the game, he said, well, they can't deal with a top-tier quarterback. Right. So, you know, there's a little uh, 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 disingenuous tint to that, I guess. But uh, from the defensive standpoint, and I'll end it here with you, at, at Kratz, E on Twitter, SI.com, backslash NFL, backslash Eagles. You can read that there. Um, I talked about Jody with this in the opening segment. Are the Eagles too complicated on defense when they bring in the Josiah Scotts and the Reed Blankenships of the world? Because they're playing all these zone coverages. And when you have blown coverages like the third and 30, that's generally communication. To me, there's a difference between if Abante's out there and CJ's out there, do they need to scale it back and simplify things if, if, if players like Josiah Scott have to play and, and read Blankenship. You could probably say that. Sure. I mean, I listen, your core principles are what they are at this point, though, right? 17 weeks into the season. I mean, you shouldn't have to scale back anything. You should have players that are in every single meeting room for the last, you know, four or five months here that they should understand what needs to be done. You know, you, if you're a coach, you can say, well, I need to coach that. I have to make sure that player knows his responsibility with that call. I mean, some of it's on the player. In fact, I would say most of it's on the player. You know, you have to understand after five months of sitting in these meeting rooms and going out and practicing it, what you're supposed to do, no matter what the call is. So, you know, I, I'm not sure simplifying it's the answer. I think this team needs to, you know, find a way to refocus more than, than that. I mean, 
look at the turnovers. You know, they're just not, you know, Miles Sanders is just dropping the ball. I mean, these, these guys need to have focus. And same with the secondary. You know, you should know with very minimal amount of communication exactly what you're supposed to do on every single call. So I don't, I don't think that they need to scale it back. I think the players need to get. All right. You know, I like it. Focus. Hard line, Ed Kratz. Hard line. I like it. We'll see. Fault. We'll see how hard line goes. How hard line are Eagle fans going to be this weekend at the game? Ed? It's been three solid weeks. Uh, as John pointed out earlier, that Dallas game, third of three straight road games. So Eagle fans haven't been out, been able to get out there in December and stretch their lungs and back their team. How much of a home field advantage Eagles have this week? Well, I think it's New Year's Day also, right? So you're yeah. going to have uh... – you know, you're going to have a pretty hearty crowd there. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to the Mummers till afterwards. I don't think they'll go there, then come to the game. So I don't – it never stops them from liquefying their strength before the game starts. But I don't know that it ties directly to New Year's Day. Yeah. Well, I'm a little be, scared there because it's yeah. going to be nice too, at least early. 60 degrees. Week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people are going to be out uh, – yeah, having maybe an extra drink or two. You know, if it's 20 yeah. degrees, people want to get inside and they don't want to um, – I think it limits it a little bit. Boy, it's going to be a party atmosphere. Yeah, and even more so because I think it's New Year's Eve. There's just going to be a whole lot of revelry going on, and it's been three weeks since they were able to, you know, unload mm-hmm. an Eagles game. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite loud. I might, get, I might park today, Ed. Uh, the traffic. The traffic. probably not a bad idea john um but yeah uh i think it's going to be really raucous as it always is maybe there'll be an extra layer to it because it's a new year's day game and the fact they haven't played at home since december 4th i think it was against the titans so uh it's been a while and i think we undersold that whole three games in a row thing there wasn't a lot of uh talk about that in the locker room with the players and that's our fault as the media. You know, we just figured it'd be business as usual. But there are some challenges that go with playing three straight road games, two of those in the division. Um, so, yeah, we, that was a big factor, too. Uh, on yeah, I, I thought it was an awful spot that on schedule day. Joey yeah. and I talked. I said, that's a bad spot. But yeah. as you go through the season, I didn't know they were going to be 13-1. and one, So you right. do fall into that lull of, well, this seems so good. It's not that big of a deal. Yep. Eh, it was a big deal. Was yeah, it was deal. a big deal. Exactly. All right, Eddie, I won't see you between now and New Year's. John will. He'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, both of you guys better get there early, so you're going to spend more time than you actually want to <laughs> with McMullen. Uh, but he'll get a chance to wish you Happy New Year's. Let more me than do five minutes out. is too much. Yeah, yeah, well, as long as you don't spill any coffee on me, John, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be gold, buddy. <laughs> I will no. never, never live that. <laughs> no, no incidents on Sunday other than the game itself. Uh, Eddie, thanks, buddy. We'll Happy talk. New Year, Johnny. We'll Happy talk New in year, 2023, buddy. all right? Yes, sir. Talk to you next year. That is Ed Kratz here with us on Verge 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. Shil Kapadia of The Ringer uh, and the uh, Philly Special Podcast is going to jump in in right about 20 minutes from now. Uh, McMullen and McDonald back next here on Verge 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not least, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Mac guys here on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming in. Uh, we've got Chio Capadia coming up in uh, less than 20 minutes now, so uh, please feel free to stick around. Um, Johnny Mac, I uh, shame on me, I had forgotten. I knew the Eagles had lost one game prior to Sunday. That's pretty damn good. Um, and that, of course, was the Commanders, and I didn't immediately uh, have it kick in as to who they played the next week. Uh, and that was the Colts in Indianapolis, a game that they won, Played but they had, they had to fight back and win. Is there any conclusions that you draw from how the Eagles respond to a loss? We've had two of them. There's only been one that we could draw this conclusion from. So that's pretty damn good when you only got one. You're kind of narrow focused on how do they respond from that game in Indianapolis was a W, but it uh, was one that they had to rally to be able to pull out of it. This is a, a different team because they've gone further in the season and B 
We don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to play. We know Lane Johnson's not going to play. We know Avante Maddox isn't going to play. So you have to factor in the injuries to some very key players that they have. Can we draw anything from what transpired early on uh, this I, season? I, I will say I hope not because that might have been the worst, um, certainly the worst offensive game they played all season, I would think. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen had to carry them in the fourth quarter, and it was basically with the running game, with the quarterback running game. Um, he just that was the game he put the team on his shoulders and dragged them over the finish line. And they're not going to have Jalen Hurts, most likely. I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, if it's grade one, you know, maybe he's back out there. But if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but if I were. I, I think Gardner's going to play, but that's just speculation. Um, and, and we'll see how that shakes out. But y- y- if they play like that, now they're playing at home. That game was on the road, so True. that's different as well. That's a big difference. Um, if anything, they're not great opponents either, but the Saints are probably better than the Colts. Um, so I don't know. You know, it's such a small sample size they haven't – I to me it comes it 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 might be simple but it really is true and one of the offensive coaches said it um, don't turn it over four times I don't I mean you, there's room for error you could turn it over once you could turn it over twice don't turn it over four times that's what the two losses have in common four turnovers four turnovers um, and the Eagles had basically gone wire to wire with the best turnover ratio in the NFL. Now they're second. Now they're behind Dallas uh, because they were minus three against Dallas. No coincidence there. Um, Yeah, they got to be, they got to take care of the football better. Um, And I think if they take care of the football better, they'll be fine. I really do. Do you have confidence that Gardner Minshew can play an error-free game this weekend? No, but, but again, it, it, it you can make an error or two, just don't make four egregious errors. Um, it, it, I think there is room um, for miscues. Everybody has them in the NFL, but you can't have that dramatic uh, difference. Um, it's it, all the talk we we have, and that's what we do. And there's nothing wrong with it uh, about the zone defense and about twenty four for twenty four and all that. You know, what Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Cannon, between all the spin, what they do say consistently, week in and week out, whether they win or lose, turnovers, explosive plays, turnovers, explosive plays, turnovers, explosive plays. Those are the two stats that point towards winning or losing. Um, They were 10-10 in explosive plays, so that was even. They were minus three in turnovers uh, against the Cowboys. And again, if you go back to the first loss, Minus, uh, they turned it over four times. I think they were minus three as well. I would have to double check that. Um, that that's the one thing they say. That's the one thing they believe in, and it has turned out to be true almost every single week. Um, and that's the 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 common thread between the two losses. Take care of the football. Right. And oh, by the way, and it was big and it was early, 
but they did get the Cowboys to turn it over just once. The Josh Sweat pick six was very Great early in the too. game. Great play. And they never got another turnover themselves. So despite the emphasis that the coaching staff puts on it, that this is a key component of their game, either the Cowboys were good enough and take, took good enough care of the ball, or the Eagles weren't uh, uh, Johnny on the spot enough to be able to come up with a turnover. The Saints will turn it over. That seems To me, that's the game. This game for the upcoming game against the Saints should be decided by the defense. The the maximum number of points that the Saints are going to score are what? 17? Will you go as high as 20? Do you think the Saints can get 20 points against this defense? Boy, I I, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of explosion uh, there. Um, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't say – well – most of it is tied to the quarterback. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, the uh, uh, Kamara is, is, we know what type of player he is. Um, Chris Alave is, has been a, a really good rookie. Now, as Ed pointed out, there's no Michael Thomas that's hurt. Taysom Hill's a pain in the, you know, what, uh, they utilize him in so different ways, so many different ways. Um, they have some good players, but they're limited at quarterback. Um, uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's not going to throw the ball all over the lot. If he does, uh, you got some issues. So, yeah, they should be pretty limited. And have you seen the uh, Saints? I know that uh, nobody's put out any injury reports yet. I guess today would be the same first one, and it will be only yeah. an estimation for the Eagles because they're walking through. Olave didn't play last week, and between you and I, that's the only thing that's saving Nick, Nicky Loomis's uh, face is the fact that the guy that they moved up for to take was Chris Olave, and he's having an outstanding season with not a great quarterback throwing him the football. I, I don't even know if he's going to play this week against the Eagles. Yeah, it's possible. We'll we'll have to see. We'll get the, the first indication, uh, as you mentioned today, um, you know, he's poised to go over a thousand yards. So he's had a very good r rookie season. Um, obviously, they still have something to play for. So it, it's not like they're in a situation where they would shut him down. If he can play, I assume he will play. But yeah, we we need to see uh, if, if he's healthy. And if he's not healthy, then they're even more up against it. I mean, it's, it's, they don't have much and it's, I believe it was a hamstring. So, you know, those are tricky for the bass guys as Avante Maddox always says, <laughs> you know, a little bit trickier hamstring for bass guys. So he's a bass guy. So yeah, something to keep an eye on. And again, with the Eagles restructuring their secondary defense, we won't know about uh, Tazar. Well, we should know something. You made a very good point earlier in the show. The Eagles will have to notify you guys if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's practice window is opened up. There's no reason that you wouldn't open it up today. Uh, we all from time to time take our uh, pimping shots at Nick Sirianni that he likes to withhold information for competitive advantage. Well, that would be pretty foolish when you've got a guy who hasn't played in a month and we're, we're, we're not going to announce yet that he's uh, 
in practice mode. Well, you can't practice. You can't break the rules. You can't keep that under wraps. Uh, so if he practices today, that's a pretty good indicator. Not a definitive indicator because you remember just two weeks ago, Dallas Goddard got activated for practice prior to the Bears game. And he practiced all week and we got to Sunday and they said, yeah, not yet. We're going to give Dallas another week. So it doesn't mm-hmm. uh, definitively say that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to play if he's activated for practice this week. But it's a pretty damn good indicator, is it not? Well, and I think it's a it's a better indicator that he's going to be back. I I don't I'm not even concerned as much with this week. I'm I'm concerned, you know, because of the way Nick spoke on Monday. Um, I'm concerned long term. You know, if there's if it's not healing correctly, and I'm, I'm no expert on lacerated kidneys, then you start talking about well, is he going to be back at all? Is he going to be back for the playoffs? If they start his practice window, you know he's going to be back for the playoffs. Um, and I think that is the bigger thought process for me. Um, just, you know, and in the break, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pop up the transcript and I can give you the exact um, terminology he used. But it was it was a little bit weird the way you described it um and and kind of raised an antenna you know typically because he talks a typical way about injuries and he was way more murky about that because it's a it's not a sprained ankle it's not a hamstring we're just talking about hamstring with chris Olave. it's not a traditional football injury so I don't know. Maybe I read too much into it, but you know, he brought up cat scans and we got to see the cat scan. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, a traditional injury. So a little bit of a concern from that. Point. And I'll give you one thing that uh, some people might think of as a concern. And we don't know if the Eagles are even going to do this. It seems to make more sense to me than anything else, because again, apologies to Josiah Scott's family. If they're watching, uh, he was not good on Sunday. If you get Chauncey Gardner Johnson back, I would move him to the uh, uh, slot and keep Blankenship at safety. That's just me. Now, you're asking a guy to do something he hasn't been doing for a while. If, but if you remember at the beginning of the season, when they got their hands on him coming in from New Orleans, they were moving him to safety. And Jody McDonald and John McMullen both sat here and said, really, you're going to throw him that deep into the end of the pool? With no practice, they got him after the preseason was over and done with, without even getting out there and practicing with them. That's kind of a big ass they're putting on Georgie Gardner-Johnson. He did yeah. it seamlessly. He that, came in and that, looked like he had been playing safety for the Eagles for two or three years. So uh, you talk about adaptability. I think we've seen enough out of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson that even if they move him back to his old position, not like he's never played it before. He's played plenty of slot corner. He did it mostly in the Saints uniform. That doesn't scare me a little bit. Does it scare you at all? Um, no, I think that's an interesting uh, decision the Eagles have to make moving forward. Um, how they're going, if if Abonte is not going to be there, how they're going to to figure that out. And yeah, that if 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 CJ's there, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, would you rather have Josiah Scott uh, in the lineup or Reed Blankenship? After this week, people are going to default to Reed Blankenship. I'm not sure if the Eagles will default that way. Um, 
Well, we'll see. It's it's definitely um, a conversation they have to have. Uh, I think the hope is that Ponte Maddox will be out there, but um, and they could, you know, what what the interesting part was, Jody, at the very end there, they they developed a hybrid role for Avante, you know, who was playing safety and base um, and nickel when they needed a nickel. So he was playing in Chicago. I think he played every play. Um, it's the first time. Now, I thought that had to do with the injuries because they didn't have Reed back more than that. But in Dallas, they kept it going. Um, they kept it going until he left. So, you know, they liked what they saw of that hybrid role. Maybe CJ could do a similar thing and and play safety when they have base out there um, and then move to nickel when they need a nickel uh, in the absence. So that's probably thrown into the pool as well. But I did find it. So here's what Nick said earlier this week when he was asked about CJ, first of all, we have to see how everything is healing in there. This is a little bit of a harder one to track because you can't, you, you can't just, you have to go in there and see, right. You have to get cat cat scans and see how everything is healing in there. So we'll see where he is. It wasn't like, Oh, he'll be back at some point. It was just, it was a little bit weird. um, The way he talked about it. But I think you're right in saying it's a different type of injury. That's not a, I don't, and again, uh, you you remember you were there. You heard him say it. There's, from time to time, it can be a change between the way you read something when you're watching a guy say it verbally and when you're trying to read it off the page. I, t- I took that as, yeah, we don't really know. This is an injury that more people need to be consulted and be in the loop on than usual. So we're going to handle it the way we have to handle it. And it's a little bit different than we do with uh, high ankle sprains and uh, hamstrings and stuff like that. It is, uh, I, I'm not going to pick apart Sirianni's statement. I'll take him at his uh, word and at face value that it's a little bit more difficult uh, situation to have to deal with because of the type of injury we're talking about. And that's why I think today is such a big day. Not not for, for Sunday. Uh, Sunday's um, you know, not as relevant to me, but because this is the first day they can start his practice window. If they start his practice window, that'll tell me, all right, he's going to be back. I don't know when, but he's going to be back. If they don't start it, then I start, you know, we're, thank we're, you. We're back. Going. Yeah. We're back in the Nick's going to attempt to explain where the injury sits when you guys yeah. next get a chance to talk to him tomorrow. All right. He's McMullen. and I'm McDonald. That makes us Mac and Mac on Birds 365. We'll put a quickie timeout in here and then be uh, joined by Shiel Capati. Always good talking to Shiel uh, from The Ringer. It's podcast Philly special. Uh, is Philly special podcast is uh, a good one for Eagle fans to be able to check out. Looking forward to talking to Shield Kapadia next here on Birds 365. Post-game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post-game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
the greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We got your Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365. We were uh, hoping to be joined by Shil Kapati. I saw his uh, device pop up in the uh, waiting room, but we uh, haven't been able there to he is. He'll punch get him in yet. Him. No, it looks like we got him. He's damn yeah. close to There's our there. buddy. Fine looking well, young man. Good to Shil see Kapadia. you, Shil Kapadia. Exciting. What's up, guys? How you doing? How are you, Shil? By the way, but. but you should be following Shield on Twitter at Shield Kapadia. Obviously, you can read him at the Ringer. I I had no idea. I just pulled up your Twitter, Shield. We were talking. Jody and I started the show talking about third and thirty because I wanted to figure out what happened. So I I talked to a a a defensive coach from outside the organization. I said, "What's going on here? What what happened?" And he said, "Tampa two sink." That's how we. To describe the call, and I pull up Shield, and you got it, you got it, buddy. You you got Tampa two pre-snap disguise. Asked Josiah Scott to get deep half from ten yards off. My two cents. Downside of disguise here outweighs benefit. Don't risk execution error with backup nickel. That's what I said. Why just play Tampa two and get off the field? It's third and thirty. Play sticks. Play picket fence. Bring Jim Schwartz back. Why are you trying to disguise on third and thirty, Shield Capadia? Yeah, I mean that that was my take. I mean, you look at it, and certainly you can make the case Josiah Scott, pro, you know, the player probably most of the time gets to where he's supposed to be there, and you're okay. He stays deep enough, yeah. and you don't give up a third and thirty. But it's just a matter of what's the benefit there. Why are you know no need to outsmart yourself? You have a backup player. 
in yeah. the game. This is a situation where just line up in what you're going to play. Be safe. Don't let anyone run past you. Get off the field. Tackle if they throw it underneath and force the Cowboys to punt. So uh, I heard what Jonathan Gannon said yesterday that he has to coach it better. He didn't have an issue with the call. I mean, I, I get what he's saying. In my opinion, next time, j- just make a more uh, simple call. It w- was my analysis of it. Yeah. Shield, and, and real quick before, just I want to – sorry, Jody. I want to uh, – what, what the coach said to me, he didn't have a problem. To me, it was coaching speak. He didn't have a problem with the call because if he executed correctly, it works. But I, I believe what you believe in the fact that as a coach, you have to understand you have a backup player in there. You don't have if, – if it's Avante Maddox, it's probably fine. But it wasn't. Yeah. It was Josiah Scott. And isn't that what coaching is? Look, you got to be optimistic. You got to believe in your guys. But you also have to be realistic and say, all right, you know, there's a downgrade here. Let me simplify things a little bit. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Yeah, you. I mean, you can blame execution for every bad play in every football game at yeah. every level. I mean, you know, and you hear uh, coaches do that. Usually a, a red flag goes off in my head when I hear coaches say that too much because your job is to get the players to execute. And so if the players aren't executing, it's not on them, it's on you. That's kind of the first line of your job description. So I understand what he's saying there. You know, it's not an overly complicated uh, thing. I don't know if there was an issue with kind of getting the call in. You can kind of see them communicating before the snap. Um, So I think there was probably some confusion there, but I I do think they probably overthought it there a little bit and could have simplified it uh, for for the defense. So I think we all agree that when Avante Maddox is off the field, however, the Eagles are going to be able to replace him, whether it's Terrence Gardner-Johnson is activated and they've got some kind of a hybrid safety slash uh, nickelback role for him. Uh, It's going to be a drop-off, and the Eagles need to play and coach accordingly. How about on the offensive line? We know Lane Johnson's out this week, the next couple of weeks. He's not going to play during the regular season. Um, There's good speculation as how the Eagles are going to go about replacing him. How do you think they're going to do it? Yeah, I I would guess Jack Driscoll would probably be the – First option, plug them in there. Now you're in, what is this, week uh, 17, and we'll see how long Lane Johnson's out. I know Jack Driscoll's had some durability issues uh, in the past. And then the other option would be to move Mylotta over the, to the right side and stick Andre Dillard in there at left tackle. So I think usually offensive line coaches, if they can help it, they don't like rearranging too much and you know moving one guy here and one guy there, and all of a sudden you have a a new offensive line. I think their preference, and uh, I would guess Jeff Stoutland's preference would be just put Jack Driscoll in there. We can coach him up. He's played at a competent level, I believe, uh, in the past, and he can be your right tackle. So I I would think that would be option number one with some room for flexibility depending on how well he plays or how well he holds up. Um, Shield, the Eagles still have some work to do. they, they haven't uh, clinched just yet. The magic number is one. I think a lot of people forget that, you know, not only do they have to lose out, but Dallas would have to win out. Minnesota would have to win out. And, and the odds are pretty good they're going to have the number one seed. But nonetheless, they still have to get there. And there's a little bit of panic. I'm, I'm surprised how much panic there is after one loss where they turned it over four times. They were very uncharacteristic with a backup quarterback. We just talked about Lane Johnson's injury. 
does that affect your thought process when it comes to pushing Jalen Hurts and trying to get him on the field or the protection of him uh, in these last two regular season games? Look, if you win with your backup, you could sit him till January 21st or, or, or 22nd. Does it affect your thinking at all that Lane Johnson's not going to be out there? Uh, not really. I, I think, you know, at one point or another, Jalen Hurts is probably going to have to play without Lane Johnson whenever uh, he does return. So that, that wouldn't affect it too much. I mean, I would be pretty conservative, and I, I still kind of expect them to be conservative. I, I could be wrong about this. We'll see what uh, Nick Sirianni says today, whether Jalen Hurts is practicing this week. My guess is they would be conservative, try to win this weekend with Gardner Minshew, and then probably not see Hurts until the divisional round. I mean, just everything I've seen with the organization in the past with injuries, how seriously they take them, how they usually err on the side of caution in the preseason with their practices this summer. That would be my guess. Now, I could be totally wrong about it. They might feel differently. Hurts might be recovering really well. He might be ready to go. And they just say when he's ready to play, he's going to play. Like you said, there is unfinished business. You want to lock up that one seat. I mean, I don't think it's panic mode yet. Now, if you lose this weekend to the Saints, now it's, you know, you're going into week 18 in a situation where you, you have to win the game unless, like you said, you kind of back in with those other teams losing. So um, that wouldn't give me hesitation, the Lane Johnson thing. I think it just comes down to how Hurts recovering. Is he at risk of, uh, of re-entering that shoulder? And, uh, again, I would expect them to kind of err on the side of caution. Since we don't know when or if Jalen will be returning, we all believe at some point he's going to be back in uh, latest case scenario, certainly for the first playoff game. But that means Gardner Minshew is going to have to continue to play if we're not uh, right about Jalen coming back. I need you to give me a confidence-o-meter on Gardner Minshew from Shield Kapadia. Uh, Ten to, to one. Ten being... Gardner's got nothing on 2017 Nick Falls. What are you talking about? We got no issues, no problems whatsoever. One being, how about that Ian book? I've seen him in practice. He's looked pretty good. Maybe we should be going in a different direction. Where do you revenge land? the Ian book revenge game uh, this week? <laughs> That's right. Where do you land on the confidence o meter of uh, Gardner Minshew's Eagle QB? Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, that sounds like a backup scale there from Nick Foles to Ian Book. So I'd probably put him at about a seven, you know, uh, around a seven. I, I don't think um, I think there's a significant drop off when you look at Jalen Hurts to Gardner Minshew. I think you look at some of the numbers you saw uh, from the last game. And at least what stood out to me is that he's in a great situation. I mean, you have Devontae Smith making acrobatic plays. Uh, you have A.J. Brown out there. You have Dallas Goddard high-pointing balls uh, out there. And then you have the coaching staff, which I think did a really good job last week against the Cowboys with some of their wrinkles and freeing up open receivers. You had A.J. Brown on the first possession of the game. That's a great call by the coaching staff. You had the Devontae Smith touchdown, which is kind of a wrinkle on something they had done in the past. That's a great call by the coaching staff. So, to me, like I, I'm not going through going, wow, Gardner Minshew's making these eye-popping plays where you know he should be starting or anything like that. It's more you want to avoid the turnovers that they had uh, last week, and not all of those were obviously on Minshew. And then you kind of let everything else work for you with the supporting cast, 
with the coaching staff. So listen, they still put up what 425 yards of offense and 25 first downs. Like for a lot of teams in the NFL, that's your best offensive performance of the year. What the Eagles did last week against a very good Cowboys team. So I I think given what's around him, you you have to have at least above average confidence that he can play well uh, for this team for as long as he has to. Yeah, Sheila, I can't tell you how impressed I am with with Shane Steichen as as a play caller, as as a guy with a feel for the game. Um, he, I think he's going to be a head coach in this league. And I, the Eagles have a lot of work to do. But I got you here, so I'm going to ask you because I've always liked your rules for hiring head coaches and what you avoid. Um, is there any way Shane Steichen's not going to be a head coach in the NFL? Uh, next year yeah I, I think there's a way I mean you know like I feel like this time of year when it, we, we all see a lot of assistants and you know you just watch broadcasts on Sunday and it's like every game there's an announcer saying this assistant's going to be a head coach next year well there's only so many openings yeah. uh, to be a head coach so they're not all going to be a head coach next year I mean to me it's uh it's tough I, I don't know uh, Shane Steichen well at all and so to me, like I like what he's done. Don't get me wrong. The way they've adjusted the offense both last year and this year, it's hard for me to know without being on the inside how much of that is Nick Sirianni, how much of that is other coaches on the coaching staff, how much of it is Steichen. Now, he's calling the plays, and he's done a really good job calling the plays the way they've adjusted, the way they've kind of catered their game plans to opponents. I've been really impressed, but the other thing is sometimes we see really good coordinators don't make great head, co- great head coaches. So how is he in terms of leadership in front of the room uh, with everybody connecting with players, kind of setting the agenda for what they want to do? I mean, Nick Sirianni, I think we've learned over two years, though that's really been a strength of his is to kind of, uh, you know, cultivate uh, that culture and that leadership and that locker room and all those things. So that's a big part about being a head coach. So uh, I hear what you're saying. I think he'll definitely be in the mix. You know, I think he deserves to be in the mix given what he's done specifically when you look at what they've done with a quarterback who's not, you know, necessarily Patrick Mahomes and they've had a a fantastic offense and they've catered the offense around him. It hasn't been rigid. Uh, I think all those things are kind of feathers uh, in his cap. So we'll see what kind of interest he does get. She'll last one for me, and it's kind of a hypothetical uh, that the Eagle coaching staff wouldn't like because they don't ever like to acknowledge luck or happenstance. Um, Miles Sanders, no fumbles, first 12 weeks of the season. Last two weeks, he's put it on the carpet twice. Is this something Eagle fans should be worried about for the last two games of the season? And then more importantly, the postseason. Uh, yeah, it's hard. Like you said, there's a randomness uh, to it. You know, I, I don't know that he's holding the ball differently than he was in the first, uh, whatever, 13, 14 weeks uh, of the season. Yet uh, those were key plays. I mean, they gave away two possessions in that football game where they really could have ended up stealing it. One on the first play of the possession where Miles Sanders fumbles. The other on, I think, it was the second or third play of the possession where they fumbled the exchange to Boston Scott. So, uh is it a concern? You have to say yes when it happens two weeks in a row at the same time. Maybe get him out of his system here uh, and let that randomness and that luck uh, take over in the regular season and then be ready for the playoffs. But I don't view him as a guy who's reckless out there, who's not you know, necessarily trying to take care uh, of the football. But uh, when you fumble two weeks in a row and give away possession, it's something you certainly have to keep an eye on. 
Um, Shield, last one for me. Uh, uh, Does that randomness of turnovers? Look, the only thing we have the theme in the Eagles' two losses are four turnovers. Uh, they, They almost went wire to wire leading this league in turnover ratio. Is that a little bit self-correcting? Does that limit the panic? Does that scale back the panic for you and the fact that, hey, if this team just turns it over once or twice, they probably beat Dallas with a backup quarterback. That that You talked about the effectiveness of the offense. Does that in some ways breed optimism that that's not going to continue? Yeah, it, it's tough in the NFL because any playoff game, you can have a playoff game where the ball doesn't bounce your way. I mean, even look at, you know, Hassan Reddick had the terrific sack force fumble and the Cowboys fall on it. Like, if you're able to fall on it, uh, the, you know, the, the one fumble that the Eagles had, it looked like Jack Driscoll was falling on it and you were going to be safe there. And then the ball pops out and the Cowboys get it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think their offense has really, really uh, warrants a lot of confidence, assuming that Jalen Hurts is going to come back and be healthy. There's more uncertainty than there was a month ago because now you have the Hurts injury. You have the Lane Johnson injury. At the same time, you have Dallas Goddard back, and Dallas Goddard looked terrific in that football game. You still have, you know, four out of your five offensive linemen. So uh, I I feel pretty confident uh, in this offense that they're going to be good, and I think you're right. I think the only way they really get stopped is if they turn the football over or if they face a great – like that 49ers defense. I mean, if you told me they faced the 49ers and the 49ers slow them down, that I could believe because that's a legit defense that has done it to just about every team. So, uh, offensively, I'm confident. Defensively, I still have concerns when they face a great quarterback. I mean, we have just have a lot of evidence here that sometimes they, they might get carved up a little bit by a great quarterback like they did with uh, Dak Prescott. So uh, there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFC if you look at kind of the playoff picture. So maybe you're going to be safe there. But, uh, you know, that, that, that would be something that comes to mind when you look ahead to the postseason. Check out his Philly special podcast where you get your better podcasts and check out all his writings and other podcasts on The Ringer at TheRinger.com. Sheil, a pleasure. Always good catching up. We appreciate you coming on Birds 365. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Sheil. Sheil Kapati, uh, Eagle Insider here with us on Birds 365. All right. Uh, final time out of the day. Coming back. Tone's going to jump in uh, to my spot. He and Johnny Mac will get you to the finish line here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most 
sure our prayers were answered. But now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio. Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Welcome back to Birds 365. He's John McMullen, and I'm your guy, Tone DeShields the second filling in for our guy, Jody Mack. John, you know, I've been listening to you guys uh, talk all morning, and um, it's something that's been on my mind because, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, their defense, they, especially, especially the DBs and the linebackers, they got carved up pretty well in that Dallas game. And I understand that, History has shown us that the Philadelphia Eagles have been a team that's gotten carved up by really good quarterbacks. But I know you I know this is something that you always say that in this new NFL, good offense will be good defense most of the time. So I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, are the Eagles current defensive concerns being a little bit overblown because of the nature of the game currently? Like, like, like don't most great quarterbacks carve up most of these defenses these days? Yeah, I mean, some of that is, you know, it's kind of funny when people say, well, you don't play as as as, as good against good quarterbacks. Well, yeah, duh, nobody plays. It's more difficult to play good quarterbacks than it is to play bad quarterbacks. It's kind of baked in, isn't it? I mean, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have probably a worse day than if you're playing Andy Dalton. Uh, and the scale goes, you know, that throughout. It's just some of it is just common sense. It's it's more difficult to play against superstar players, but um, as a whole, I think Jody brought up a good point. I mean, you can go back to last year all you want, but what does that matter? I mean, Hassan Reddick wasn't here. James Bradbury wasn't here. Uh, Kaiser White wasn't here. Chauncey uh, Gardner Johnson wasn't here on and on. when he returns from injury, all the additions on the defensive side of the football uh, it's a completely different defense. And then you talk about the context of the rest of the league. Other than San Francisco, um, and even they had the hiccup against Kansas City, 
Who who did we just talk about, Tom? Patrick Mahomes put up 44 on the mighty 49ers. I mean, you could say, well, yeah, they didn't play well against Patrick Mahomes. Um, other than them, though, you know, even after that game, I believe, and I'll, I'll look it up as we talk, I believe the Eagles still have the second-ranked defense in the NFL. So you're comparing them against the 31 other teams, right? Right. Well, so it stands to reason if they're number two, everybody else is having some issues as well. San Francisco stands apart, as I mentioned, but even San Francisco struggled with Patrick Mahomes, and I I think they gave up 44 points. I'm not sure the full context of that. I'm sure there were turnovers involved and, and all that kind of stuff, but defensively, as we stand here today, even after that game, the Eagles are number two in the NFL in total defense, and oh, by the way, number one still in passing defense. Even after 24 for 24 and third for 30. Number one when measured against everybody else. Take it for what it's worth. Worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm thinking about the quarterbacks that they could potentially face in the playoffs. As it stands right now, the best quarterback in the NFC that – well, the most dangerous, put it that way, the most dangerous quarterback that they could potentially face in the playoffs right now, as it currently stands, one through seven, is Tom Brady. He's not really playing his best football right now. Um, and a lot would have to happen for the Philadelphia Eagles to meet Tom Brady in the playoffs. Um, but but next after that, then you have Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. I mean, they're not really going through a gauntlet of quarterbacks, really, in the NFC if they're trying to make a, a, a deep playoff run. No. Um, and, you know, the Pro Bowl quarterbacks kind of sum that up. I mentioned it. You know, the NFC, it's it's Jalen, it's Kirk Cousins, it's Geno Smith. The AFC is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Um, the AFC has better quarterbacks. We can't even get to Justin Herbert. He's having a great season. Um they have better quarterbacks. I mean, so if if you're the you, you already saw I I you you talked about the most explosive quarterback, the most explosive quarterback the Eagles already played and completely shut down, and that's Kirk Cousins. Now Tom Brady, it's Tom Brady, and we we see the the comeback and and but I mean that offense is terrible. Uh, there's 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 yeah they don't move the football at all. Um, and then you have Aaron Rodgers you got to worry about now because Green Bay might be making their run to the postseason. So I, I get those names are fearful, but they're on bad football teams. Right. So uh, you're probably not going to have the Dak Prescott you just saw um, and they had an issue with. You're not going to see a superstar level quarterback unless you make it to the Super Bowl. And and then you're probably playing against Mahomes or Allen or 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 Joe Burrow. So 
What do you think the Philadelphia Eagles hopes are in terms of the Super Bowl? And what I mean by that is a lot's been going on. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. It kind of seems like they're crumbling little by little. But when you think about their injuries in comparison to other teams, they don't have nowhere near as much. But the injuries that the Eagles have sustained are rather significant. You know, the quarterback position, which ultimately he'll be fine in the end. Um, Lane Johnson, we still don't really know the extent of that injury. Um, Avante Maddox out indefinitely. We might never see him in the playoffs. You never know. Um, CJ Garner-Johnson is supposed to be coming back. Um, so had the – have ha, has a chink in the armor been found with the Philadelphia Eagles? Are they are they kind of trending down while a lot of other teams are beginning to trend trend up going into the playoffs? No, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they they put up whatever it was four hundred and fifty yards of total offense with a backup quarterback against supposedly you know if not the second best team in the NFC, certainly the third best team. Uh, because they destroyed Minnesota. Um, and no, don't turn it over. They win the game. We're not having this discussion. Now, are you concerned about the injuries? Sure. But, I mean, injuries, everybody's dealing with injuries. The 49ers <clears throat> are playing the best football right now. There's no doubt about that. They're playing the best football right now. In the NFC or, down, in, or in the in, NFL? In the NFL. In the NFL. They're down to their third quarterback. Everybody has injuries. They're down to their third stinking quarterback. And they're, oh, so-and-so's got them number one in the power rankings. Everybody in this league's got to deal with injuries. Um, the good news for the Eagles is most of them haven't been season-ending. And... They expect Lane Johnson back for the playoffs. We'll see how effective he is. Avante's a little bit more open-ended. Um, you know, Jalen's going to be back. We still have to find out about CJ, uh, but they're hopeful of him being back. Um, could be worse injury-wise. Yeah, you know, but you know, what stands out to me really is the fact that despite Jalen Hurts not being there. And all the injuries that they that they have sustained, they've been a, they've been able to regularly put up over thirty points, and that's the kind of offense you need going into the playoffs, especially when you're going up against these top tier quarterbacks like a Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, so on, Josh Allen, so on and so forth, right? Lamar Jackson, and you know that's in my opinion what was missing a little bit, having that high octane passing offense, having that kind of offense that can go blow for blow. You see, you've seen, especially even with Gardner Minshew, you've seen an offense going back and forth with another offense in it, in that Cowboys game. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out, especially in the playoffs, because I know they say defense wins championships, but man, there are some games where, you know, it's just a gun show. And I know, the barometer we use, uh, I know the barometer we use a lot is that uh, is that Buffalo uh, Chiefs game, and I know you yeah, always say, that, "Well, uh, every game's not like that. That's an anomaly." So, um, yeah, you know, well, I'm one of the, yeah, the, go ahead. Well, pe- people in Philadelphia don't, they, you know, go to Super Bowl Fifty Two. I mean, t- defense didn't win that championship. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, 
that was a complete, complete shootout um, on both sides. New England, whatever they had, 500 stinking yards uh, and lost the game. Uh, complete, complete, complete shootout. You mentioned that, you know, Kansas City Buffalo game where the whole league overreacted. Um, I agree. Because we can't keep up with that, blah, blah, blah. No, either can they, by the way. The Chiefs don't do that every week. The Bills don't do that every week. Um, and they both lost games uh, this year. But, yeah, I mean, you probably don't want to get in a shootout with those two teams, but there are other ways to win a football game. There's a million ways to win a football game. You can do it with a block punt like San Francisco did. Um, all kinds of ways. You can win football games, and people get too caught up on quarterback versus quarterback all the time, all the time. But you know, they the quarterback is the most important position, right, John? It is, they, but they they don't look. I got news for you, and this is why I tell the Eagles uh, to Eagles fans to enjoy this season. Thirteen and two doesn't come around every day. Jalen Hurts can continue to improve. Um, and get better as a quarterback, and he may never see 13-2 and two again. And he might be a better player. Um, hmm. Stars have to align to win a Super Bowl. A lot of people contribute to winning a Super Bowl. Yes, it's the most important part of the team, the quarterback. But, you know, wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. They are not, they are not, they are not. If they were, Aaron Rodgers would have six Super Bowls, at least. Um, there are a lot of ways to win a football game. Quarterback is is having a great quarterback. I, I always, you've probably heard me say this a million times. I'm going to say it a million and one. What having a great quarterback does is increase the margin for error. If you have a bad quarterback, your your margin of error decreases significantly. You can still win games. People do it all the time. And, you know, whether you want to point to Trent Dilper winning a Super Bowl with one of the greatest defenses of all time, uh, Brad Johnson, Jeff Hostetler, Nick Bowles, all won Super Bowls, all won Super Bowls. Dan Marino didn't. Guess what? Dan Marino's a better quarterback than all those guys. Good point. You know, I, I think about Jalen Hurts in this scenario, and you know, he's entering a. Uh, we all we all know how it turned out for him last season. His first playoff game didn't look comfortable. Did not look like he belonged in the room. Now, most people don't look like they belong in the room with Tom Brady, right? That's that, that's pretty much pretty normal. But he just didn't look like he belonged in that game in general. Now, entering this new playoff run, you know, a lot of people still hold that performance against him. Do you hold that against him in terms of in terms of his growth as a quarterback? And do you think he has what it takes to potentially lead this team to a Super Bowl win, knowing all knowing the sum of their parts? Oh, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts has played at an MVP level. Jalen Hurts, I first of all, I I I I think it's silly when people say make declarative statements about 
any player and say, so-and-so can't win a Super Bowl. What does that even mean? If Trent Dilper can win a Super Bowl, take the top 20 quarterbacks in the NFL. They can all win Super Bowls. If everything is perfect around them, um, again, some have a larger margin of error. Some have lesser margins of error. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic behind it. So-and-so can't win a Super Bowl. Think about that. Think about the absurdity of that. Um, yeah, but you're never going to change people's minds. Jalen Hurts has played an MVP level. Does the MVP have a chance to win a championship? He's not going to win it because of the injury. Yeah, every year. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? It would be the better question. He's got the best team. He's got the best roster. He's got a good coaching staff. Yeah, the Eagles have to take advantage of this situation. They have to seize the moment. He could. That's what I'm saying. He could become a better player in the future and never have this moment again. That's why I brought up Dan Marino. Dan Marino had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history in his second year, went to the Super Bowl, lost, and the assumption is, well, he'll get one. And Dan has even spoken about this. Uh, well, we'll get back. And what they never even got back. And that's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Never even got back. So when the window is open, you do want to seize it. And the, the window is open. So the Eagles definitely want to seize this moment. There's no guarantee you're ever going to be back in this position. Everybody was all excited about the Eagles in 2017 and you know they were set up for years with Carson Wentz and look what happened and by the way Carson Wentz is starting for the commanders again so there's another yeah I saw that that's, a, that's uh that's hilarious yeah. uh so it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting to see how that pans out um you know we'll watch to make the playoffs with the Giants you know it's it's all plausible but again this is something that's all gonna have to play out as of right now all four NFC East teams are in the playoff picture. So, again, this would be interesting. Uh, great show, John, as always. I appreciate you for always being flexible with me. And uh, shout out to Jody Mack for always, um, you know, delivering great content on Birds 365. So, John, as always, we got to ask, are you going to be here tomorrow? Day to day. Day to day. But uh, <laughs> that is the plan. That's what I always say. Day to day, John. Hey, can't argue with that. We appreciate you guys for locking in on Birds 365. Make sure you guys continue to smash that like button. Make sure you guys stay engaged on Jacob Sports. Next up, we have the football playbook with Rick Ciratella. You guys were locked in on Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody Mack. And I'm your guy, Tone. It's just a second. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.